Psalm 119. Um, look at verse 25. The Bible says, My soul cleaveth unto the dust, quicken thou me according to thy word. I have declared my ways, and thou hurtest me. Teach me thy statutes. Make me to understand the way of thy precepts. So shall I talk of thy wondrous works. My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according unto thy word. Remove from me the way of lying, and grant me thy law graciously. I have chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before me. I have stuck unto thy testimonies, O Lord. Put me not to shame. I will run the way of thy commandments. When thou shalt enlarge my heart. This section seems to come from a, a, an experience of being overwhelmed, um, a prayer to God to help uh, to see and to hear God speak. And uh, so we'll look at these eight verses here uh, this, this afternoon. I've got two thoughts on it, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll head to the house. Lord, thank you for your love and, and your word. And Lord, thank you for this psalm, specifically Psalm 119. And, and all that is in it about your word and, and, and what it can teach us or remind us. And Lord, I pray for that today, that it would teach and remind uh, us of your word and, and how we can find answers in your word and the decisions and the choices that we must make to follow it. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Two points this afternoon. The first one is that the psalmist, he realized God's word has the answers. Have you come to a point in your life yet where you've realized the Bible actually has the answers to my questions? Uh, the things that I'm concerned about, worried about, need, whatever it may be, the Bible has the answers. And here the psalmist in verse 25 through verse 29 really uh, shows the, the understanding, the comprehension that God's Word has and is the answer. We see first of all here that the, the God's Word answers through, number one, conviction. Conviction. In verse 25, he says, My soul cleaveth unto the dust, meaning uh, is, is practically dead. Quicken thou me, or make me alive, according to thy word. All Psalm 119 is, 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 is revolved around God's word and, and what it does and how it works and those sorts of things. And one of the things we have to understand is the Bible, one of the answers the Bible gives us is through conviction. As we read, as we study, it will convict our hearts of the things in our life that should not be there. And as we read through and, and study God's Word, it will help and give us answers by convicting us of necessary things uh, there. The Bible exposes guilt. It, as you're reading, and I, I would like to think you've seen this as well. Hopefully you read your Bible enough to see this. But when you're reading along and all of a sudden you go, oh, that's talking about me. Um, you know, that's not good. <laughs> um, uh, how did it know? Uh, well, it's God's Word. That's how it knows. But uh, it does. It exposes guilt and answers through conviction. Uh, it also answers through confession. Look in verse 26. I had declared my ways, and thou heardest me. Teach me thy statutes. Um, a lot of people are willing to talk uh, to other people about their problems. Um, there are people, I still am surprised that people are willing to go confess their faults to some guy. Um, surprises me. Because I don't know about you, I don't like to let other people know my failures too often. I have to tell you some of them for sermon illustrations. But uh, outside of that, I, I prefer not to just you know, have to sit down with somebody and be like, Forgive me, father or brother or sister, for I have sinned. It's been 
29 days since my last confession, and here's all the things I did in the last 29 days that I shouldn't have done. Um, and then that person sitting on the other side goes, man, you're a really bad person. And, uh, uh, or even worse, they say, oh, don't worry about it, I've done far worse. Um, but uh, <laughs> nonetheless, I don't get it, right? I, I get it. I, I'm not anti-psychiatrists. Uh, make sure I say the right psycho word, psychiatrist. I'm not anti-psychiatrist, but I think they need to be biblical, um, biblical counselors and things like that. The, the worldly psychiatrists are going to give you worldly counsel, and it's going to ultimately lead you down a path that I don't think will bring you happiness or solution. But <clears throat> that being said, the most <clears throat> important thing we can do is talk with God, confess to God, unload to God. Uh, people are willing to unload all of their issues onto some person who they're paying. I don't know how much they pay anymore, but uh, they pay a lot of money per hour to unload to these people. And the reality is, is those people don't have all the answers. They have some of the answers. They're not all bad people or anything, but the result of it leads to typically more <laughs> help, more counsel, more money, all that kind of stuff. Where God says, I'm, I'm right here, you can actually unload on me. Confess to me your sins, you're supposed to, and I'll forgive you. But on top of the confession of sins, there's also just the unloading all my problems, the weights of my life uh, to Him. And God hears us, He says there in verse 26, and thou hurtest me. And then He continues to ask for instruction. <clears throat> God's Word has the answers through conviction, through confession, uh, to stick with the C words through consecration, number three. Verse 27, the Bible says, Make me to understand the way of thy precepts, so shall I talk of thy wondrous works. It's about obedience. We talk about it a lot. Simply obeying. And, and, and honestly, it's obeying with the right spirit. It's, it's, a, it's a willful obedience. He says there in verse 27, make me. I've got those two words circled in my Bible. Uh, and typically when I come across, especially in the Psalms, uh, uh, where the psalmist, different psalmists, but the psalmists say, make me, um, those kinds of words I circle because it's interesting to me. It's, the, it's, a, it's, a, it's a legit prayer of God I want to serve, I want to obey, so I need your help to do so. And, uh, and that's what he's asking here for obedience. Uh, help me to obey Make me to understand thy precepts, and so shall I talk of thy wondrous works. Number four, through contrition. Verse 28, my soul melteth. That word melteth there is the same word uh, that we use for weeping. My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according to thy word. You understand the, the true um, pain, the true Sorrow that is here, the, the, the weeping of the soul for heaviness, for the, the, the weight of sin and what is there. I think it's also important for us to understand that when we talk about God, to know that you know, when we sin, we don't just break God's law, we break God's heart. God is, yes, He's the all-powerful, yes, He's the all-knowing, Yes, He knows that we've sinned before we come to Him and confess it. Uh, he knows everything. Yes, He's sovereign. Yes, all of these things. But to, to understand that how much God hates sin and how much it hurts God when we, His children, sin against Him. 
it's not a, again, I don't think we always comprehend how serious God takes sin. Uh, He hates, hates, hates sin. And we oftentimes will kind of, uh, most of our sin, we won't look at very seriously. Maybe we understand we did it and we shouldn't have, and we'll, we'll go to God and ask for forgiveness, and God will forgive us. But I think a lot of times we, we really will rank sins. You know, I, I've talked about it, the Christian bubble. So I grew up in a Christian home, in a Christian school, in a good church, and in a ministry. So everything in my life was, was centered around God to some degree. So I grew up in this bubble, and I always heard the youth pastor talk about drugs, and smoking, and drinking, and all these kinds of things. And the only time what the, what the youth pastor was talking about that affected me is when he talked about music. Because dress wasn't an issue for me. I, I had stricter rules than the youth pastor. <laughs> so that was never an issue. Um, you know, drinking and smoking, and I never, never exposed to it. First time, I think I've told you this, first time I got offered a cigarette, I think I was 19, First time I got offered alcohol, I think I was 23, something like that. And I didn't take either one of them. But uh, so I, was just, I wasn't exposed to it. It was never an issue for me. So the youth pastor were talking about all these big sins, and I would think, that's just not, I'm not, in, that's not me. I'm okay. My sins, they're the little ones. You know, I lie here and there. I'm prideful here and there. Uh, you know, I... I I think mean thoughts every now and then against a person, you know? I'd like to push that person off a cliff. You know, those kinds of things. Little things. Um, <laughs> and so in this Christian bubble, I always just kind of, I compared. Compared myself to other people. Yes, my sin's wrong. Yes, I shouldn't do it. Yes, I need to get it right. But at least it wasn't whatever. Reality was is, my, what I thought were little sins, they broke God's heart too. And they broke God's heart more than the lost person down the street and the sins they were committing. Why? I was his child. God hates all sin. And I believe God hurts when we sin. We've got to understand that Uh, how serious God takes sin. And here the psalmist does. My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according to thy word. And again, you see where he's seeking the help. Yes, he's praying, but he's also uh, uh, trusting in God's words. Uh, We see then uh, as well in verse 29 through contrast. Uh, Verse 29 says, Remove from me the way of lying, and grant me thy law graciously. It's, it's, a, it's a request for a removing of. Uh, not just the forgiveness, but now remove from me this sin. Because it's a sin that I battle with. It's a sin that's in me. It's a sin that I struggle with. God, I need you to remove it from me. I think of the verse that says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. A lot of people in the world will tell you, trust your heart, follow your heart. Do what makes you feel good. Uh, I think one of the best sermon illustrations I've heard with the heart was, uh, look at it like a GPS. Pay attention to it, 
But still keep your eyes up. Look for the street signs. Right? If you follow a GPS according to the GPS, you might turn a road too early. Uh, you might end up somewhere you didn't mean to go. It might be wrong. Uh, every day at work, I, I click an address, and I click start, and I stick it up on my uh, dash, and I drive there. And as I'm getting closer to the house that I'm supposed to get at, I start looking at the mailboxes. What's the number on the mailbox or the number on the house? Because it's happened before where I followed GPS and I turned into a house and I treated the house and I did all the paperwork and I went to hang it up on the door and I realized the number on the door was different than the number on the paper. Huh. Start looking at the paper. Start. Sometimes it's the wrong street. Sometimes instead of uh, uh, over near the Jeremiah's, instead of an old Boonesboro, it was Boonesboro. Uh, there's a number of places actually in Richmond that are, it's like a, a name, I, I'm trying to think, it's not Mary Todd Lincoln, but it's like one of them's Mary Lincoln Street and the other one's Mary Todd Lincoln Street and you're like, you know, GPS takes you to the wrong one, whatever. So the heart's like that. If you follow your heart and don't keep your eyes up, don't read the Bible, don't pay attention, the heart can take you down a path that you don't want to be on, take you to the wrong place. And so we need to ask God to remove things from us. You know, we talk about ourselves, removing ourselves from certain temptations, not putting ourselves in a situation that's going to cause problems. Well, there are things that God needs to remove out of us as well that we can't do. We can't just, just do on our own. We need God's help for it. So the Bible can, uh, has the answers, and it has the answers through conviction, confession, consecration, contrition, and contrast. Number two, we see the psalmist resolved to live for God. He resolved to live for God. And we see this as a deliberate decision. Look in verse number 30. I have chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before me. It's a decision, a deliberate decision to live for God, to obey God. It's very similar to Daniel, where he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's meat. And I know I bring that up a lot. It's just a great illustration for us. A decision. I choose. I choose. We listen to a, a, a family that sings and they have a song, I choose the Lord. I choose. I make the decision. You remember Joshua said, choose you this day whether or not you're going to serve God. The same is true for us today. We have to make the decision. It has to be a deliberate decision. I'm going to do what God tells me. And you're the one that has to make that decision. Number two, he resolved to live for God deliberately. He also uh, was determined. Look in verse 31. I have stuck unto thy testimonies, O Lord. Put me not to shame. He was determined to stick it through. Again, I grew up at church camp. Church camp can be emotional. You have a, a, a time where you got, for a whole week you're just under preaching more than you are any normal week out of the year. At the camp that we go to, it's two weeks' worth of revival services. I think it's 15 messages that a kid will sit under. And when you have that much exposure to the Bible, when you're usually being exposed three times a week, in sermons at least, Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, Wednesday night, now you're going to, what is that, triple, quadruple? Five times more? I don't remember. I'm not good at math. Uh, it's a lot of messages. 
And then you go through the week and, and, and God works in your life and you make decisions and you decide this is what I'm going to do and then you get home and you're all for it and then, then you're back to th three sermons a week. Now you're reading your Bible like you're supposed to. You have a phone or a television or whatever that you didn't have at camp and you're being exposed to a lot of things again in your normal life that you weren't exposed to for a week. That decision... Although you made it, maybe that determination wasn't there to keep it. It happens a lot where kids will follow this decision for a month, for a week. It, it, it's really, it shows the importance of a good church to come back to um, and, and hopefully still getting encouragement from those decisions that were made. But there has to be a determination. You know, today we can all say, I choose the way of truth. I choose to follow God. But are you determined to see it through? Because I guarantee it's going to be challenged. 100%. That decision, that deliberate decision is going to be challenged. Think about Daniel. Think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We choose to follow God. Was it challenged? Well, three of them got thrown into a fiery furnace. The other one got thrown into a lion's den. All because they were challenged whether or not they were going to stick with the decision they made. Daniel blatantly, openly said, I'm not changing. I'm going to pray like I've always prayed. And he opened up his windows and he prayed. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they stood when everyone else kneeled. They knew they were going to be seen. They knew what the consequence was. And they were willing to die to obey God. And God allowed them to live. It's incredible. They were determined. We have to be determined to follow God as well. And then, lastly, is a desire. They resolved to live for God deliberately, with determination, and with desire. Verse 32, it says, I will run the way of thy commandments when thou shalt enlarge my heart. It's a desire, uh, it's changed desire, new desires, godly desires. Uh, what once was an addiction to sin is now an addiction to God's way. It is a, a, a true desire to follow God. It's not just that I choose to follow God, and it's not that I'm determined to follow God, but it's that, that I want to follow God. Because if you're like me, there was a time in your life, or maybe now is the time, I don't know, where you desired to look like you were following God, but actually get the other stuff. I went to Bible college. Um, it wasn't a choice. My parents said, you're going to Bible college or Christian college of some sort. And uh, they gave us a couple options and whatnot. So the one I went to I've probably told this before, so I'll go quickly. Um, I went because there was a coaching minor. So I, could, I was a PE major and a coaching minor. And my plan was to go coach basketball. And, uh, and my desire was to go coach basketball and get famous and get rich. That was my ultimate goal. Go coach D1 basketball, maybe go NBA. And I knew it would take a long time and I was going to have to work my way up. But that was my goal. But I would tell people, oh, I'm going to go coach. I'm going to go coach in the public school, and I'm going to use it as a ministry. 
I'm able to reach these kids. I'm telling you, that was not at all on my plans. But that's what I would tell people. I'm going to get this, this degree, and then I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it for God. But in reality, it was all for me. I got, got a hold of my heart summer between my freshman and sophomore year and changed my major. I kept the coaching uh, minor just because it was a GPA booster. Um, but uh, changed my major, and, and from my sophomore year on, I had no intention of coaching basketball. If the opportunity ever came, and it has, great, but that, that's not my focus. And to see just how, and it took time. There was the instant understanding that that's not what I was supposed to do, um, going into the public schools and coaching and whatnot. But it, there was time still where my desire was still kind of that oriented to some degree. But God continued to change my desires. And, and ultimately, that led to working at camp. And then from there, God continued to work in my life and change my desires more into pastoring and ultimately church planting. And, and here we are today. Now, is there ever a time in my life where I desire something worldly? Yeah. Is it wrong? Yeah. I got to fix it. I got to get it right. I need God to change my desires, where I desire now godly things. I hope you want to come to church. I've heard stories about your kids you've shared with us um, that get upset when they can't come to church. They just want to go, they just want to come to church. Now, do they want to come to see Pastor? No, they want to see their friends and play. I get it. I'm not ignorant of it, but. It's still, it's a wonderful feeling when our children go, I, I want to go to church. Why do we have to stay home? And when they ask me, why did I have to stay home last week? I say, your mommy and daddy are sinful people. I'm just kidding. <laughs> They've never asked me that. Um, but that's what I would tell them. Uh, we need to have a desire for God and a desire for God's word and a desire for God's ways. And when we do, I'm telling you, your life will be different. If, all, if, you're, if you look at your priorities, if you're honest with yourself, and you look at your priorities, and you write them down, and see where God ranks on it. I mean, do it honestly, just, just for yourself. Don't let anybody else see. That's the only way you'll do it honestly. No one else sees it. Write it down. What's my priorities? Well, once I get this, and once I get this fixed, and once I get this situated, then I'll bump God up. It's not going to happen. It won't. Now, that's a good test. See where, see where God lies in your priorities. There were times, and I can honestly say that now it's not this way, but there were times where the priority was a larger church. I still I don't have any interest in being a mega church. Uh, to me, I don't, I, don't, I don't get, other than the money, I don't see the excitement of that. But... Uh, you know, a larger church, maybe a, uh, uh, be invited to speak at conferences and camps and stuff like that. You know, I, I've never been, I, I got to speak some sessions before. I've never been invited to, to preach at the camp that I grew up at. I was there 26 years. And there was a time where I was like, man, that's, that kind of stinks. And then I listened back to sermons. I go, oh, never mind. I get it. Um, <laughs> you know, there was a time where I wanted to be, I wanted people to know who I was. At the end of the day, God eventually, as you're faithful, 
as you read like you're supposed to, as you pray like you're supposed to, and God uses His Word to convict and to change and to mold you, all of a sudden you begin to see, see the light, so to say. See the big picture. What really matters. It doesn't matter if people know who you are. It really doesn't. As a matter of fact, it makes life harder. But if God knows who you are, and He does, and if you're following Him and you're trusting Him, He's going to bring stuff across your path that's going to give you enjoy, enjoyment. Is that a word? Uh, fulfillment? Satisfaction? And you're going to begin to see joy through God's lens versus your own. But it's going to take a deliberate choice to live for God, a determination to continue, and a desire for the things of God. And the psalmist was, was able to, to do this, and we see it here in, in, in what is given through, to us, again, through inspiration of God. And he says there in verse 32, I will run the way of thy commandments when thou shalt enlarge my heart. A changing of desires. A proper addiction, if I can use that. I know addiction is, is not a light subject, but uh, being truly focused and committed to the things of God and the ways of God versus the ways of myself and the ways of the world. And that's where we get the most from. And I promise, and I know I've said it, I've said it several weeks in a row, if you haven't experienced it for yourself, you won't believe me. But when you do experience it for yourself, you'll be like, wow, it is true. I am happy. I am fulfilled. I don't have all these things that at one time I desired, but now I have a new desire, and I'm happier. I don't have the stress weighing on me. I don't have the, even the negative energy. I know that's a new age word term. I don't have that negative energy around me anymore. And it happened when I committed and determined to follow God. And as I obeyed, God provided. It'll happen. But if you don't try it, you'll never know. Lord, help us. Your word is, as you say, it's quick. It's powerful. Lord, it, it, it impacts us. But Lord, it can only impact us when we're when we're reading, when we're hearing, when we're studying. So God, help us to be faithful in, in the simple things. And Lord, as we uh, read the Bible, we know it's going to change our lives. We, we understand there's going to be um, answers to questions and, and things that enlighten us. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to be faithful in reading, be faithful in studying. And God, as we learn and as we read and as we understand, God, may you encourage us through your promises, through your answers. Lord, would you just, would you just uh, help us to see just how good you are. We would all say that you're good, but Lord, help us to see how good you are. Help us this week, Lord, to be faithful, to obey you, to be committed to following you. Lord, change our desires, change our ways. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, uh, Saturday, well, Wednesday, service at 7 if you can come. I uh, definitely want you to be here. Saturday, men's prayer breakfast. Sunday, uh, pew pew offering, number 3. Uh, so pray about that, and, uh, and we're excited to get the, everything cleaned and, uh, and nice and fresh. Thank you all for coming today. Uh, I sure love you guys. If there's